Today on Sagittarian Matters, intersex activism, zine advice, infidelity, and more. With friends to the show, Isaac Soloway Strozier and Pigeon Pagonis. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. What's the Isaac Soloway Strozier is a regular on Sagittarian Matters, who you may remember from his appearances discussing Shark Tank or Paddington 2. He joined me in his Los Angeles home to give advice and discuss my new column, Queer Abbey. Enjoy. Isaac Soloway Strozier. Hi. Hi. Um, when Nicole asked if I would come on the podcast again, I said, of course, but I want to give advice. I listen to the podcast. I hear all these other people giving advice. Why do I never get called on for advice? I just didn't know what kind of advice you would be best at. But so uh, we have I'm, – I'm going – I'm doing a new – I'm going to be doing a new advice column for a website called Into. And my advice column, as we named at a dinner, is going to be called Queer Abbey. A great name, isn't it? A great name that was crowdsourced at a dinner party that we were both at. Do we know who we can thank for it? It was a combination of Terry. Terry Sweeney. Terry Sweeney and Jill Soloway. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. This is a Terry Sweeney-Jill Soloway joint. I'll be giving them 10% of my $40. I think Terry actually, it might be a, it might be all Terry. I think that your mom was just kind of she making was, noises. She, she made, t- she she started, she, she started saying Dear Abby, something like Dear Abby. I think if my memory serves me, the great Terry Sweeney said, how about Queer Abby? Of Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live's own Terry Sweeney. All right, so he named it. So I thought in honor of that, I would ask you a few vintage questions from Dear Abby. Some of them are weird and wonderful. Exciting. Okay. Um, give me... One second so I can find the one that I like. Dear Abby, what would you do with a man who refuses to use a deodorant, seldom bathes, and doesn't even own a toothbrush? Signed, Stinky's wife. Should I say what? Don't, do- don't say her answer. Okay. Um, well, one of these things is not like the other. Doesn't use a deodorant, seldom bathes is one thing. Doesn't own a toothbrush. I've never encountered anyone like that in my life. But can I tell you something weird? Friend to the show, Morgan, was telling me that... Oh, maybe I shouldn't say this. Well, she was telling me that she used to go on family trips and they would bring one toothbrush and share it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sharing a toothbrush is one thing. Not brush... I mean, sometimes I'll leave the house without taking deodorant. Sometimes I will seldom bathe. I brush my teeth every twice a day. I mean, like... I even understand brushing your teeth once a day. Not brushing your teeth at all? I've never met somebody that does this. Have you? No. But also, like, me in sixth grade when I was, like, unchecked. But why would you marry someone? I mean, even as you're saying your vows and he's standing, like, right in front of you, his breath must have been something to behold. It must have been stripping the the paper off the walls. Yeah, I would call the not brushing your teeth a red flag. I think that's more than enough of a reason to get out. 
Well, so you're saying she should just get a divorce? You're saying... Yes, I mean, I don't know why you marry this person in the first place. Uh, if you don't brush your teeth, I assume that means there's all kinds of other problems with your... I mean, I know what, no one who is happy and having a good time isn't brushing their teeth. Well, so I would say, you know, see if your husband's depressed. Yeah, Maybe he needs to see a therapist. Yeah. There's but, other know, problems. There's, there's a must, there, much, there must be a much bigger problem that is making your husband not brush your teeth. I don't think that's – that can't be the only problem. Well, I'm going to tell you some the grossest thing that Dr. Laura likes to talk about, which she talks about a lot, is how much she loves shower sex, which is surprisingly disgusting. But she loves telling women to like trick their husbands into bathing by being like, I'll meet you in the shower. So I'm just going to pass on that Dr. Laura advice. Can I ask a question? This was a question that I had recently that I think you're really the right person to ask. Okay. What's the difference between Dr. Laura and Dr. Ruth? Dr. Ruth is a sex advice person, and Dr. Laura is a conservative right-wing person who answers questions about moral quandaries. But aren't they often about sex, Dr. Laura's moral quandaries? No. Sex is the answer. Some, I mean, she wants people to keep their husbands happy uh-huh. so that their husbands don't stray and I so see. that they're being good wives. Okay. So she loves to talk about sex. But Dr. Ruth is like, you could be open with Dr. Ruth. You could be like, Dr. Ruth. I like anal or what, whatever thing. And Dr. Ruth would tell you the answer without a moral Christian Great. judgment behind it. But Dr. Laura is completely the opposite. But if it's within the confines of marriage, DL just wants you to make your man happy. And you're a much, obviously, you've read a whole book about her. You're a much bigger fan of Dr. Laura than Dr. Ruth. <laughs> yeah, I never listen to Dr. Ruth. Great. Next question. She too free. Dear Abby. My boyfriend is going to be 20 years old next month. I'd like to give him something nice for his birthday. What do you think he'd like? From Carol. Gosh, I really have no I I mean, I, I don't have much information. I don't think <laughs> I have enough information to answer this question. Wait, should we say what, what, what Dear Abby responded to the last question? Or should we just leave the listeners in the dark? Um... The one, the one about about the tooth, not tooth, not about stinky. Tooth. What would you do with the man who refuses to to bathe? And yeah. Abby said, "Here's what you do: absolutely nothing." So I don't know if she's saying he's fine. What are you talking about? She's you saying, don't need to do anything. She's saying don't touch him with a ten foot pole. Or she's saying you know, you should be doing nothing with this man. All right, wait. I have another one for you. So you don't know. I mean, you don't, what, know. what do you get a twenty year old? And what year is this? This is like 1950. But uh, for 2018, what do you get a 20 year old for their birthday? An Xbox? No. An app? I really have no idea. What would an you app? want? I don't know. <laughs> can you buy someone an app? That's a good question. Maybe. Like a, a $3 app? Or... Listeners, can you buy someone an app? I bet you could gift them the meditation app. Maybe gifting, or you know it's an even better birthday present. Get on there. Download the Headspace app. Yes. Make him a account. Yeah. And then just tell them, check out. You have a Headspace account. Yeah. that's a, I would love for someone to do that for I me. would love for someone to give me Headspace. They're yeah. not even a sponsor for the... I just, we just really actually answer this. Yeah. Dear Abby, my husband sleeps in his underwear. He wears the long woolen kind. And he sleeps in the same underwear he's worn all day. The problem is getting him to change it. Abby, there are four sets of clean underwear in his drawer, but he won't put on a clean pair without a fight. I can't even get the underwear away from him to put it in the wash. Don't tell me to grab it when he's in the bathtub. He doesn't bathe much either. Please help me. He's getting pretty ripe. From holding my nose. <laughs> so we're really seeing a theme develop, right? It seems like in the 1950s, a lot of men um, 
weren't bathing much. They were stinky. Yes. Um, I'll admit this right here live on the podcast. <laughs> I often sleep in the underwear I'm wearing that day. Mm. Tonight, I'm probably going to be sleeping in the underwear I'm wearing right now. Okay, so what would your suggestion be to someone that was trying to get you to maybe freshen up before bed? You know what I would really be saying? What you're asking me to do is wash twice as much underwear. Because you're not, I'm not going to wear... But it's the woman. She's going to do the washing. Okay, well, if you want to, if she wants to wash twice the underwear, fine, go for it. But I'm not going to, because the other thing is, I'm not going to wear the underwear that I slept in. I'm much more scared about wearing underwear that I've slept in the next day than keeping the underwear on while I'm sleeping. You know what I mean? No. I don't, because I take a bath at night, so this problem doesn't apply to me. So, I, he, I, it's really for economy of underwear. So what would someone have to say to you? They would say, look, Isaac, I'll wash it. I'll deal with it. I want you to be fresh as a spring morning when you come to bed. It's also just kind of a hassle. It's like I want one underwear per day. I don't want to be wearing three pairs of underwear in two days. In two days, I want to be wearing two days of, two pairs of underwear. Also, this creates a problem when packing. I'll often, when packing, go say, okay, the day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. Yeah. If I'm not planning on... Now I'm going day one, night one, day two, night two, day... That's <laughs> so much more underwear I'm going to have to But pack. if you just bathe at night like or change your clothing at night like me, then you just get to... I wear the underwear that I put on that night... Through the day. Through the day. Until the next bath. Interesting. I don't know. Uh, I would love to hear what the listeners do. Because this is one of those things I really don't know what most people do. That, well, because, you know, I had a roommate once and their parent really stressed to them as kids that they wanted them to take baths at night so the sheets wouldn't get dirty so that they would be clean that sounds like someone who doesn't want to wash their sheets clean when they're hitting the sheets how how often do you change your sheets mm, once a week or once every two weeks me too that seems normal well also this person's husband is wearing um long underwear woolen the underwear woolen kind. he's wearing this seven not i don't know seven he's wearing this 12 months out of the year yeah the woolen underwear yeah I don't and know. long he's wearing long underwear every day that seems insane Dear Abby, my husband and I have been married three years. Oh, wait, I'll tell you what Abby said. Abby said, look at it this way. You don't have to worry about another woman stealing him. And he's easy to find in the dark. Uh-huh. But if you want action, try begging, nagging, and leaving. And in that order. I just think any of these you need to be like, I would like to have sex with you. I feel grossed out by the way you smell. I think if we you bathed, I could even help. I think that that might alleviate some of that, and I would want to have sex with you again. I just feel like that would make. Yeah, I think that I think that's a. I think that'd be. I think that's helpful. It's it's a little too direct, I guess. Like probably the, you would have to do like be wearing a feather boa or say ooh or something. But uh, you know, I think that that's the gist of most of these. Yeah. Do you have time for a couple more? Yeah. Great. Dear Abby, my husband and I have been married three years. I thought we had a good marriage, although our sex life seems to be going downhill. He's always too tired. My mother, who lives 400 miles away, phoned to say that my father had suddenly become very ill, so I went to be with her for a week. On returning home, I found a pair of earrings for pierced ears on the nightstand beside our bed. I showed them to my husband and demanded an explanation. He swore he'd never seen them before and I had no idea how they got there. What should I do? From, my sign is Leo. I don't know what the... I don't really understand astrological science, so I don't know what the Leo of it all means. They Can love you attention. Leos love attention. Um, it seems to me very clear that your husband uh, has some sort of a uh, lover. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy his – I've never seen those before. 
Um, Unless there's a ghost. Yeah, well, then you have a much bigger problem on your hands. Um, so what do you do? I don't know. I, I mean, you, you don't you don't wonder if he's actually cheating on you or not. You just decide. You, know you know he's cheating on you. So I don't know if that's that's not the question. The question is, what do you want to do about it? And then I don't know what you want to do about it. You want to get tested. That's one thing you want to do. Oh, yes, Another you, thing you is, want to get tested. say like, cheap. Maybe you have to say your husband. Look, I I don't buy that you've never seen these before. Let's just yeah, just stop lying. I don't know what the. Let's just call it. And let's just say, like, what does this mean? Does this mean that you would like to open our marriage? Does this mean that you are not wanting to do it with me anymore? Is this meaning you want to leave? What does this mean? Exactly. This is what 1950-whatever, so yeah. I assume this means we're just sticking together and we're just going to pretend I never saw <laughs> we're this. sticking together, but, like, honestly, probably use some protection because if he's, like, lying, then he's probably – if he's so shame-filled about the whole thing that he can't even admit he's doing it, who knows what he's doing safety-wise? So then he could be bringing something to you back from wherever he's going yeah i'm reading dear abby's response and i don't understand it can you explain dear leo don't hassle him just keep your eyes open for a woman with two extra holes in her head what does that mean two extra holes in her head i mean it just means pierced ears but i think it's like a weird old-fashioned i don't know if i'm getting the full meaning of it it's a little 50s hmm. i also like don't hassle him like don't, don't burden him with this come on come on all right whoa Okay, there's there's two. There's two more. Okay. Dear Abby, my husband's former wife, Velma, with whom we have remained on fairly good terms, invited us to her home for a party. She is now married to a very well-to-do man. Velma told me it was going to be a costume party, so my husband and I dressed up like a couple of rabbits. Imagine our surprise when the butler opens the door <laughs> and ushered us into a room filled with men in tuxedos and women in stunning gowns. We felt like a couple of fools. Velma laughed and said it was funny. I got very upset and have been made the butt of her joke. So I got myself a glass of punch and spilled it on her gown. What? Then I laughed and told her I thought it was funny. However, she didn't see anything funny about it. This woman sounds like an alcoholic. My (laughs) husband isn't speaking to me and he thinks I owe Velma an apology. What should I do? Signed, wife. Well, there's a lot going on in here. Um, I think it's – I often don't think practical jokes are – I mean are funny – or I think no. they're often mean. They're, and this one feels especially mean. They're based in embarrassment. Yeah. What's the point in embarrassing? I don't I don't like it. So I don't like what Velma did on the, you know, in the first place. She sounds like not actually a friend. She just seems like someone you thought cruel. you were on good. It was cruel what she did. Yeah. However, I don't know if pouring the <laughs> punch on her gown is the solution. Um, it seems like it will probably only distance you and Velma more. Yeah. And um, it all also seems like it's created a rift in your marriage. I think that, you know, the answer is probably to take the embarrassment on your chin and just say, Velma, maybe in a phone call or a letter or something later, Velma, I really didn't appreciate the joke. Um, <laughs> you know, and then maybe fish for an apology. I don't know. What do you think, Nicole? I would be like... Hey, I am so sorry I spilled that punch on you. That was, Oh, producer Ponyo doesn't like that answer. Isaac just tried to pick her up, and she didn't like that, but she does want to crawl on top of him. Um, I would say, hey, Velma, I'm so sorry that I spilled that punch on you. That was really immature. I think I was just really embarrassed, and it kind of hurt my feelings or embarrassed me that you 
you know, played this trick on us because I thought we were on good terms. And it's so important to me because my husband held you in such high regard. Uh, so anyway, that's it. I'm sorry for the punch. And then, you know what? Just distance yourself from Velma. She's not your friend. Yeah. She might apologize on her own. She may not. Next time that Velma invites you to some sort of a gathering, don't go. No, just or. But Dear Abby says, send Velma a bunch of carrots and tell her you're sorry. I, I don't know. I, I think that's I feel fun. about that. Okay, last one. Dear Abby, I've been married to a good-looking cross-country truck driver for 10 years. I'm not the suspicious type, but Friday night he came off the road with two long scratches on his left hip. They were fairly deep scratches, yet neither of his shorts nor his trousers were ripped. When I asked him where he got the scratches, he said they were probably from a feather in the bed. Now, Abby, I'd like to believe him, but do they still have feather bedding in modern motels? And could anyone get scratched like that from a feather? Signed, Not Dumb. So, I am not sure if I believe the feather in the bed, but I'm not positive that this guy was cheating on her. Here's the bigger question. When they would engage in intercourse, did he like it when she would scratch him hard on the thigh? Because if so, then we've got some clues. But if not, it seems like a rather odd uh, sort of piece of evidence that... Um, your good-looking cross-country truck-driving husband is, in fact, cheating on you. The scratches on the thigh. It's a weird place. Weird place. I mean, I've heard of people getting caught because they have scratches on their back or on their chest or a bite mark or a hickey, but never just a scratch on one thigh. That seems strange to me, and also I think maybe your husband's gay. Also, a scratch on a thigh can be explained. Maybe he's walking around the motel room and it's dark at night and he hits a he hits a, a bedside table and it really, you know. I think there are plenty of, of innocent ways to get a big scratch on your thigh. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I think same advice as the other person. You just have to have an honest talk with him. I, maybe I would let this one go, but I would just, like, uh, keep your sex on the safe side. He is a good-looking cross-country truck driver, too. Uh, he, a man gets lonely on the road, you know. I mean, I guess it's just like, do you care? Like, he's coming home to you. Maybe you have don't ask, don't tell. But just make sure you are safe. Exactly. Dear Abby, though, has a very different uh, perspective. Would you like to share what she wrote? Yeah. Okay, so as we remember, the last line said, can anybody get scratched like that from a feather? Abby says, it's unlikely that the scratches came from a feather. It was probably the whole chick. Oh! Isaac, thank you for answering these advice questions with us today. Oh, of course. I'm so happy to uh, be here answering some advice. I'm not sure how helpful this advice will be as it all came from uh, <laughs> 70 years ago. But um, I hope that it finds these people well. Me too, me too. And I'm, I'm sorry that producer Ponyo snarled at you and shed on your hat and has also uh, put allergens directly into your nose on your Yes, bed. and on my bed where I'm going to be sleeping in today's underwear tonight. <laughs> Today's underwear? Yes, I'll be sleeping in the underwear I'm currently wearing. It's so long. That's such a vintage on the underwear. What do you mean? Because didn't you shower like eight hours ago? Uh, No, I did not shower this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag it gets better. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, and we will smell you later. (laughs) Smell you later. My friends... Would you like to make vegan cheese like a pro? Try a new urban cheese craft 
vegan cheese mix at home and you can. It's available in 10 varieties, including mozzarella, feta, and spicy nacho. They're allergy-friendly because you get to choose your base of nuts, seeds, veggies, or white beans. Solid wheels take 30 minutes and melty sauces just 15. You can find the mixes and fun how-to videos at urbancheesecraft.com. And this just in. Listeners of Sagittarian Matters receive 20% off with code SAYCHEESEPONYO. That's P-O-N-Y-O. And more breaking news. This just in. Claudia from Urban Cheesecraft's new book, One Hour Dairy-Free Cheese, is available right now for pre-ordering at Powell's.com. So go to UrbanCheesecraft.com, get 20% off with the code SAYCHEESEPONYO. Pigeon Pagonis is an intersex activist, educator, and filmmaker from Chicago, Illinois. You may remember their appearance on the show a couple years ago in which we gave advice about roommates and talked about compulsive scratching, specifically the New Yorker article called The Itch, in which a woman scratches right through her skull to her brain. We didn't talk about that this week. When Pigeon joined me from their Chicago home, we gave advice about zines, talked about intersex activism, and more. You can find Pigeon online at pigeonismy.name or on Instagram, P-I-D-G-E-O underscore N at Instagram. Now enjoy my talk with Pigeon Pagonis. Who are you? Oh, me. I am Pigeon Pagonis. I am an intersex person. I am an intersex ambassador. <laughs> I spread the good word of intersex throughout the world. Um, and I, I'm, But I do that by, I made a film, so I'm a filmmaker. I'm doing a photo project right now, so I, I do photo documentation work of intersex people. I've started a, collect, a collective, I guess. There's two people in it. Um, so I started a group and we fight for justice on the streets and behind the scenes for intersex justice. Um, so I do all those types of things. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I do. And my film was actually something that I did when I was in graduate school at DePaul University in Chicago. And, uh, um, my, my, I was in women and gender studies and it was pretty, you had an option and yeah, I could do a creative option. So I did the creative option and, I started to try to write, speaking of writing, I, I tried to write my story out about being an intersex person. And I decided to take that writing and make that into a film. And so I made like this, this cool, different um, documentary. And it's short, it's 26 minutes. And it's kind of, it's kind of like, a, it's been described as a video diary. And I think that's the perfect description of it. And it, you know, I didn't go to film school. I don't really, I just kind of, I kind of just did it in, with the computer and no budget. And it's it's just kind of was a way for me to tell my story. And so that's why I think video diary is perfect. And I should say what intersex means. Or are you going to run that in? Like, What does it mean? Okay. Maybe we could put this at the beginning or not. But intersex is a term, an umbrella term for over 30 variations. And, those, and the umbrella term refers to sex traits in a human being that are neither completely male or female. Um, and those sex traits can range from chromosomes, reproductive organs, or somebody's genitalia. So 
if somebody's body, the way I say it is that somebody's body is too cute to be binary. And that shows up in about one in 200 births. So that's just as common as a person born naturally with red hair. So we're kind of, we're, we're kind of, uh, we're kind of popular. There's as Latinos. many intersex people as there are people with red hair. Yeah. Yeah. So the doctor says this child is too cute to be binary. Yes. Congratulations. They, oh, exactly. That's what happens in the ideal world. They pick the baby up by the feet, smack it on the butt, and say, this baby's too cute to be binary. Exactly. And they put a too cute to be binary onesie on the child. <laughs> they send them home with their enlightened parents, and they don't have a gender reveal party before that, and everything's great. And then the, the child lives its non-binary life in perfect harmony with the rest of those nine ba- with the rest of the non-binary society but one of your campaigns or one of your slogans is let the child choose can you not one of my campaigns or one of my slogans what am i getting wrong it is i think it's intersex stories not surgeries no you know what i'm talking about okay it says it says (laughs) Keep calm. Let the baby decide. Yes. Jeez, Louise. It's like I'm a stranger who walked in off the street. I just started rambling. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> oh, yes. That's something, you know, it's like a take off the British thing. And then I just changed the bottom part. Yeah. Not. Yeah. But can, like can you explain what, what that means? What do you. Okay. That's okay. bad. That's really bad. Okay. Continue. Oh, well, will you explain what that is, what that means? What are they choosing? What? Why wouldn't they what? have a choice? Oh, this part. Uh, Essentially, so, instead of instead of it just being easier for the doctor to be like, uh, let me flip a coin and we'll decide how we want to raise this kid in a binary way. You want the kid yeah. to choose what they want to happen with their own body when they yes. okay, yes. have lived so, in it for a while. Sorry, you're cutting in and out a little bit. Dog, but, um, doggone it. I think I got you. Okay. Um, yeah, so doctors, instead of... Instead of living in the current world that we live in, where adults freak out about a baby that they can't clearly discern as completely female or completely male, and then they do some types of surgeries or forced hormones, give that child hormones um, to make them clearly either male or female, um, I want to, I advocate for a world where an intersex person who is nine times out of 10, completely healthy, but just has a body that's more unique than most people. Um, I advocate that they're able to grow up in the body they were born in and just live life as an intersex person without having really damaging surgeries and um, other things done to them. And say one day when they're older and maybe they're completely like, you know what? This big clitoris is just too big for me. I want to make it smaller, then then do it. But that should be an adult intersex person's decision that they get to make about themselves. It should not be anybody else's decision. It's such a simple concept. I don't know why 70 years later that, you know, since these things have, since these surgeries have started, that they're still doing them. And yeah, that's what we're doing. And that's what the Intersex Justice Project, me and my friend Saifa, that's what we're fighting for. And that's what so many other intersex activists before us and currently are fighting for. How do you fight for this? What are you doing? And what can people do to educate themselves and fight also? 
money and give us the money. No. So one of the things that we do with uh, the group Intersectional Justice Project is we actually protest in front of children's hospitals. So that's one thing you can do. You can join us in Chicago protesting. You could donate to us at endintersexsurgery.org slash donate. Um, another thing you can do, and you can do this right now, is go to the number four and the word intersex, I-N-T-E-R-S-E-X dot O-R-G. Um, and there is literally, oh, I just got this. There's actually four things you can do for intersex people. So... The first thing you can do is educate yourself and then they give you um, information like Intersex 101, Intersex 102, and then there's a Human Rights Watch video. Um, Then there's a section called Educate Your Community. And this section is really cool because they give you an intersex PowerPoint presentation that's on Google Slides so that you can go give a presentation to any one of your groups or people or anyone that will listen. Um, And then they even also give you like um, hash, not hashtags, but tweets or status updates or Instagram things you can post straight to your social media. And then there's some brochures and things like that. Um, and then they have a section about how to find out if hospitals in your area are still practicing intersex genital mutilation on intersex kids um, and, the, and what you can do about it. And then the last section, how to talk to your legislators and get them to show up for intersex human rights as well. So I think this website's really cool. It just came out. It's a project of Interact Advocates, um, which is a group I kind of grew up in. I was a youth in their program, and then I started to um, head the youth program, and then I was doing a bunch of other stuff for them. But um, they're they're amazing. They have an inter- they're just they're just amazing. They just put this toolkit out. I'm going to talk about it everywhere I go. I'm grateful that you let me on the show today so I could talk about it and share that with you all. And um, does it feel yeah. like we're Jehovah's Witnesses or something? I'm like, pigeon, spread the good word. Tell, yes. tell, tell the yes. people how they can spread the good word. You're like, I, I wrote a status update for you. <laughs> I'm a leader of a youth group. <laughs> yeah. You bring out your acoustic I, guitar and sing a song about intersex babies. Yeah, you should. That would be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. People can buy shirts from you, too. Oh, Kind of. My uh, store's on vacay right now. But actually, as we speak, um, today I'm ordering new shirts and making new designs. And one of the new designs, it's the first time ever, is going to say, let intersex kids glow up instead of grow up, like glow up. Um, And it's going to be really cute and have neon color because of glow. And then the other shirt is going to say 2Q2 Binary, which is like, yeah, I've been doing that shirt. Um, And I'm going to have totes inspired by you. Nicole, oh, for the I, first time. Because I gave you a tote bag with Ponyo on it? Yes, exactly. The hot pink one that I really love. Um, I'm going to have totes, shirts, stickers uh, uh, in two different sizes and two different kinds of pins. Like the regular pins and then also the enamel pins. And then I'm thinking about also making a postcard size that says, Surprise, it's a baby. And maybe saying the word bitch, but, but probably not. Um, Surprise, bitch, it's a baby. Surprise, bitch, it's a baby. You know, and that's like, so people can give those out at gender reveal parties. Today's episode of Sagittarian Matters brought to you by Urban Cheesecraft, Mary Pinson, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, and Christy Harrod. 
If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, including producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $500, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet, like the insect, leg, like its appendage, at gmail. Are you ready for advice? I'm, I'm really ready. Okay, this is... This is in the the package of a zine question, but I want us to spread out a little bit. Dear Sagittarian Matters, this past year, I have started getting very into writing and zine making. I really enjoy doing it, and I've been toying with the idea of starting to submit some stories to magazines and or tabling at a zine fest. My problem is that I'm painfully anxious about sharing my work. I'm anxious in general. But the thought of sharing my work publicly, especially with people I know, sends me into a tailspin of anxiety. Will they think it's stupid? Will they think less of me? Recently, I set up an Etsy account and posted it publicly on my social media, but just the act of doing this sent me into a spiral of worry that lasted for days. Do you have any advice about sharing work and or being more confident? From Scared in Schenectady. So I've I I also suffer from or deal with anxiety, mm-hmm. huge amounts of anxiety. So I just want to say I feel you so much. Um, and I think things that I think, well, first, okay, where should I start? Should I start? Okay, I'll start here. Some things that I think could help are ask yourself why you want to put your art out there into the world. And kind of, I think when most people make art, they do it for a reason. And if they have, and if that reason is really important, then they can help, that can help them get past the fear of doing it and being anxious about it. And I think if they don't have a reason, then they got to find like a purpose or a reason, because I think that's what's going to ultimately push somebody over their fear. Um, And then I would say to start small and to take baby steps like like they said they put like one thing out there and then they like sat with it and it kind of made them um like jittery but i think that's the perfect way to do it is to just to take a baby step see how it feels and then readjust and see like what worked and what didn't work and then today i was reading on twitter somebody named fatima askar who is um one of the writers or yeah one of the writers of the web series called brown girls and she's also an amazing poet she's from chicago oh i met her in chicago i don't know if she's from here but anyways um she just wrote this really good thread on twitter today about how when she stepped out of when she left graduate school for writing um she created this this circle of people this other other poets and artists mostly poets and writers people of color and it was a circle and they actively have created community over the the past few years they're called Dark Noise, the Dark Noise Collective, and they support each other. They read each other's first drafts, et cetera, et cetera. And she really credits a lot of what she's been able to do after out of school, which felt really scary. And it was like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't have this institution anymore. Um, she really credits a lot of that getting past that fear um, by having a circle of people, of other artists or writers in this case to support her and I think like if you're an artist out there one of the best things you can do is to have a group of people whether it's online or in person where you can share those anxieties with each other and you can also support each other so I think that would be I think that would be ideal like 
you know, I said all the other things, but if you can do that in community, um, that would be like the icing on the cake for somebody who is scared about putting their art out into the world. Because well, yeah. it is, it's really vulnerable, it's really scary. And I totally feel for this person. Um, but I think I, once once you yeah. start getting, once you start getting a little bit of positive feedback, I think that that will fuel your fire. So I really only, sh- things I'm so nervous about, I really show people who I know want the best for me. Like, you know, like when I share things with people, drafts of things, I share them with people who I know understand what I'm getting at, like that kind of work, and then want the best for my work. So if they have any feedback for me, it's feedback that will help me get to that place. They're not going to, your friends aren't going to read your work and be like, oh man, this is so stupid. Like that's just not going to happen. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, our friend made something cool. Yeah. And I, I think like I'm, I'm kind of like anxious about putting stuff out there, but I know somebody who is really like suffering, struggling with the same thing as this person. Mm-hmm. And so they make art. They make, they're so good at art. They're just like so talented at it. It just oozes from them, but they're just starting to share it on Instagram and so they've just like made their page public and that was a big step for them. And I remember like one night they were here and they were going to post a picture to their Instagram of themselves that I took of them. And they waited like 24 hours because they were so nervous about it because they never really put themselves out there on social media. And so I just I feel for you and I understand that like we all have different levels with like vulnerability and putting ourselves out there. And like, so I'm in the middle, like I have anxiety, but I will, I'll pretty much like just do it. And then like that person I was just talking about, like they're, they have like, I don't know if they have anxiety, but they're just really like more reserved about putting themselves out there. And then I have a friend who's like a musician and he literally asked me the other day, like, what is anxiety and what does it feel like? And I was just like, (laughs) what? Like, (laughs) I can't believe you don't have that. And it was a foreign concept to him and I had to explain it to him. Oh my God. I love that. Oh, what is it? Well, so you how do you say it again? Anxiety. Um, oh, I'm, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> when I started my zine, I didn't think it was great. When I started publishing my own comics, I didn't think they were great. Uh, they were good enough for the people I was showing it to, and then they got better when I got feedback and positive feedback about the things people liked. And so that couldn't happen until I took the step of putting it in their hands. And of course, bravery is not, you know, it's just doing something you're scared of and then just doing it anyway. And you kind of learn to detach a little bit more from the outcome the more you keep doing it. Because your art just needs to exist in the world. It needs to, if you're a writer, which it seems like you are, your writing just needs to exist in the world. And yeah, like Pigeon was saying, if you have a greater purpose for it, you know, if you're like, I need to share this perspective or I, you know, I need to be part of this community because of this reason. Um, it, it's a it's a great fuel. I would say make a few of your zines, like make fifty. You can get rid of fifty, and then if people like them, great, make some more. If people don't like those fifty, or you made a typo, or you made a terrible error, great, it's only fifty. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, the president yeah. tweets things that are way more embarrassing than that every day to millions of people. No matter what you do, <laughs> it's not going to be as dumb or embarrassing as what the president tweets every day. Yeah. I mean, maybe 50 is a lot for your first time. Maybe like five. No way, <laughs> 15. Jose. 15. I'm going to say 15. I'm I'm sticking with 50. 
If I could do it as a 14-year-old, you can do it. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Panyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.